Have you ever felt like you were in a relationship or in a situation where you always had to work to impress the other person? I'm always trying to get on the other person's good side, whether it's parent or child or sibling or fiancé or friend or person I'm in a relationship with, whether it's at work, I always have to work to impress my boss, or we're always working to, to impress the other person, as if like I'm already at a negative and I have to work my way up just to like to hit the, hit the neutral ground, right? That feeling is, is very draining. It's very draining to always feel like I'm always down and I have to continue to work to prove myself. I have to work to, to meet somebody else's mark, right? And especially when everything seems to go wrong, I, nothing seems to, to, to go right, they don't seem to notice anything, and I just feel like I, can, I can't win. It's like an endless battle that just never seems to work. I think we encounter that a lot in human relationships, and because of that, we, we can apply that logic to God. I have to work to try to impress God. I have to work to try to like earn my place in heaven. Like he's, he's waiting there with his clipboard, keeping a close tally, and if I don't meet the mark, then I'm out, right? And as I continue to try and try and I keep falling, I keep failing, I keep sinning, because we're all, none of us are perfect, we, don't, we keep missing the mark, that's literally what sin means, I miss the mark, and I feel like I can't ever please God, right? We apply that logic to him because that's what we encounter so often in the world. I think the, the very clear and simple message, particularly in the first reading and in the gospel, is that that is not God. That is not how God acts. That is not what God wants. That is not how God thinks. That's completely foreign to, to what God's actual desire is and what he wants our relationship with him to be like. This is not a Bible, it's actually the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And it's, it's kind of like, it's the one book, if, if, you, if you're wondering, if, if there was one book that had all the teachings of the church, this is it. One little book. It's got everything in it. If you don't have one, please, please buy one. Um, but the very first paragraph of the Catechism of the Catholic Church begins with this. Paragraph number one. At every time and in every place, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him. He calls together all men into the family of the church. It's God's initiative that begins everything. Our faith is a response to the call that God has already put into our hearts. Everything that we do is a response to the invitation of the Lord. He is always, always, always the first mover. And both, uh, I want to see how both the first reading and the gospel really show us that very clearly. And although in, in kind of odd ways. If we look at the first reading, we have the prophet Jonah. And God comes with this message that says, Jonah, go tell Nineveh, repent or I'm going to destroy you. Doesn't really sound like a very gracious God, right? Um, Jonah, when he first got that message, didn't want to go. He actually ran away, took a boat across the sea. They found out he was from that the Lord. He was the Lord was calling him. He was running away. They threw him over the boat. The fish ate him. He went through this whole fiasco because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. And he didn't want to go to Nineveh not because he felt unworthy. He didn't not because he didn't want to do it. Not because he thought the call was too big for him. This is such a big city. Jonah actually a couple of verses after this reading tells us why he didn't want to go. He tells God, "I didn't want to go." Because I knew that you were gracious and merciful and slow to anger. He actually, Jonah actually wanted the Ninevites to be destroyed because they were enemies with the Jewish people. Jonah didn't want to go because he knew how good God was 
And he knew that if he went and proclaimed repentance and the people actually repented, that God would be the gracious, merciful God that he knew him to be. So actually, God, in his love and his desire for the people of Nineveh, who weren't even the chosen people, he sent somebody to proclaim his message to them so that they would repent, so that he could show them his gracious love. He sent a messenger to bring his love to them, to open their hearts. It's not like he just sat back and waited for the Ninevites to come to him. He took the initiative. He sent somebody to bring that message to them because he wanted more than anything for them to come back to him. The gospel, Jesus calling the disciples. Jesus was, was in this figure of a rabbi. He was a rabbi to most of the Jewish people. And it wasn't uncommon for rabbis to have people following him, much like Jesus did. But what was uncommon was for a rabbi to go and call somebody. That, you didn't do that. A rabbi had people following him because he had a good message. He preached it well. People liked what he said, so they followed him. It was almost like it was shameful for a rabbi to go and ask people to follow him. It's like he's, like, come, come, he's like begging people to follow him because he wasn't good enough almost. That is an element of shame if a rabbi would go and, and get people to follow him. So Jesus did something the exact opposite of what everybody would have expected. He took the initiative and he chose people. He said, I want you to come and follow after me. I will make you something great. I will make you a fisher of men. I will take the, 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 what you know and bring it to a whole other level if you come and follow me. And he picked people who wouldn't. Fishermen were not respected men. They picked the people that people you wouldn't have expected to come and to follow him. But he took the initiative. He said, I, I want you particularly to come and to follow me. God does not sit back and wait for us to come to him. That's not, that's not anything that's foreign to how God thinks and acts. God runs after us. He follows, he seeks after us. He sends people to call out to us. And he chooses us to come and to follow him. To come, in, to come into a deeper relationship with him. And that's a beautiful thing is that there's always something, there's always something greater. There's never an end to the amount in the, of, in the ways that Jesus calls us. Being here today doesn't mean that we've answered the call. There's a greater answering of the call that we can have. It never ends and it never stops. And I'm thinking about, what, the question that came into my mind as I was sitting with that is that why? Why would I continue to give God? Why would I continue to follow him? Why would I continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper? Why did Peter and Andrew and John and James follow Jesus that day? They had never heard Jesus speak. Jesus gave them no reason why he should follow, why they should follow him. He walked up to them and said, follow me. They didn't know anything about this guy. What was it that made those four men and everyone who would eventually follow Jesus, what made them go? Jesus provided them with an invitation, an opportunity to a deeper trust. The invitation of God in our life can only be met by, by, by a response of our own trust. The temptation is going to be to ask why, or who, or when, like why me, what am I going to get out of this? All these questions that we're prone to ask. God calls each one of us, he chooses every single one of us in a particular way, and invites us to a deeper invitation to trust, and a total invitation to trust. They all left what they were doing and followed him. The Ninevites completely changed their whole way of life 
and put on sackcloth and fasted and turned to the Lord. That repentance, the turning towards Jesus. A total focus on him. We do that because Jesus made a promise. He said, if you follow me, come and follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. I will make you something great. I will make you, I will fulfill what, what the whole purpose of your life. That's hard. It's hard to stay in that. An invitation to trust is something I have to, to stay in every moment of every day because everything pulls me to somewhere else. Today, Jesus renews the call to every single one of us to come and to follow me. And not just as someone who's standing back waiting for us to crawl up to him, but one who comes into every aspect of our life. And from that, that place of encounter, that place of being with us, he draws us slowly and gently into that, 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 that place of communion. If we think that, uh, like, my, the temptation is like, Lord, I, w- I wish I had a faith like that. Lord, I w- I, help me to grow my faith. A quote I read a couple days ago from John Paul II it's really stuck with me. He says that our faith is strengthened when it's given to others. Jesus didn't call isolated people. He called brothers. He called groups of people to share the faith with one another. My faith is strengthened when I share it with somebody else. Despite the ways that I don't feel worthy or equipped or able to do that, I don't have everything together, nobody does. But our response to Jesus' call puts it on our heart to share it with others. First step, Jesus renew that call in my heart. Then Jesus helped me to share that with somebody else, to walk with somebody in that, so that through that relationship and through that call, I might draw closer to you and to the love that you have for me. Amen.